0: So I'm here with J.C. Hill, Director of Brewing Operations for Alvarado Street Brewery. In a uh, fancy
1: name for head brewer,
0: I guess. Head brewer, right. <laughs> Co-founder, a few other things. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about uh, how you started brewing and uh, you know, some of the stages you know, that you uh, went through before you ended up opening up your own brewery here. And for those of us, for those that are listening out there, uh, you might hear some brewery noise in the background because we are here at the production brewery.
1: Yeah, we got a lot of stuff going on today racking some some bourbon barrels or making a beer with the Altamont boys right now. It's uh it's always something going on. Uh well yeah, I started obviously uh I think you know most would respond with, you know, started as a home brewer right. uh about 2009, 2010. Uh just became completely obsessed. Couldn't sleep. Just yeah. had to, you know, had to had to do it. Had to jump right in. Um we uh I had opened up a uh a small kind of rotisserie Sandwich shop uh, up at the San Diego State campus uh, in 2009. Uh, started home brewing around the same time. Ended up, I think, putting maybe like one or two of my home brews on tap, which was highly illegal. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but we had an opportunity to kind of expand our uh, restaurant concept. It was called California Kebab. It was kind of Mediterranean inspired rotisserie sandwiches from uh, travels that you know we had encountered after traveling after college. Uh, and craft beer was a huge element to it. We were really inspired by places like O'Brien's and Hamilton's in San Diego at the time and Blind Lady Ale House, and so we just started uh, treating it like our own little mini craft beer bar and uh, ended up opening a spot in Pacific Beach with a three-barrel kind of nano setup, which was the biggest pain in the ass to brew on ever, but it was a lot of fun, a lot of hard work. the name of the brewery was called amplified ale works and it's still an awesome brewery that's still down in San Diego and guys are killing it down there. Um, so yeah, just basically started, you know, started on a three barrel system Then I had an opportunity to open up Alvarado street in 2014 with my dad up in Monterey. I was a 10 barrel brew pub uh, restaurant. Uh, it was an amazing opportunity to come up here and, and kind of do my thing. I was very fortunate to have a lot of, a lot of guidance in San Diego. Um, a lot of my kind of brewing style originates from there, definitely. Um, yeah, just started cranking in Monterey 2014. Decided we wanted to uh, build a production brewery, which we built out here in Salinas about a year and a half ago. And started canning beers about a year and a half ago. And that just, things just got crazy. And <laughs> now we're just, yeah, having a lot of fun with the artwork, having a lot of fun with, you know. So eight, 18 months into
0: the, the brew pub, you had enough demand for your, for your beer and, um, you know, to open a large scale production brewery, 20 barrel brew house. Yeah. It seems like a bold move and investment, uh, for, for a young business.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, yeah, it definitely was, uh, you know, we really wanted to augment the, the, you know, our beer selection and at our brew pub and that's kind of where it stemmed from. Um, you know, I, I just wanted to come up and, you know, run my own brew pub and, be the brewer and make beer, and I you know, just kind of got caught up into the, into the love of it and ended up driving a bunch of kegs up to Santa Cruz in my truck to some some places up in Santa Cruz, Beer 30, Apto Street, and Lupelo and uh, demand just kind of went from there, and you know now we have a truck that goes to the barrier twice a week, and we have a bunch of amazing uh, accounts that we work with that are our good friends and great stewards of our beer, and take care of it well, tap it fast, you know, it goes quick, hoppy beer, drink fresh, burp hops. That's our motto. <laughs> yeah. So one of the one of the things that uh,
0: may have uh, sped up your uh, your your rapid rise is a focus on pretty progressive styles and uh, some you know hotter segments uh, such as uh,
1: as you uh, might refer to them expressive uh, IPAs. Um, IPAs with expressive yeasts. That's IPA. a uh, that's actually a term that uh, Connor and Tim from Cellar Maker like to call it, and I, I love that. I love that word. It's a little little more educational. Um, we, we call them yeast driven IPAs with expressive yeast. Um, you know, hazy, hazy Northeast style. That's fine. Um, I just, I feel like with those beers, the yeast does a lot of the work. And so we're trying to, you know, trying to push that, let people know that, you know, the yeast is responsible for a lot of those kind of fruity flavor profiles. And, and, uh, it's a lot of fun experimenting with those. We also love West coast IPAs and Cal Ale is still our workhorse around the brewery. Uh, we also love lagers too. We have a couple of lager tanks that we invested in out here, and uh, you know, Pivo Pills, STS, those are my Desert Island beers. So I'm very inspired by by those breweries, and w- would would love to someday make a beer like that. So,
0: so uh, when you launched the Brew Pub, what'd your beer list look like? And it, and how did that evolve? How has that evolved over time?
1: It's so funny. We were just talking about this earlier. Yeah, we we have four fermenters uh, at our brew pub and some bright tanks. And so we used to chop a beer up three different ways. We'd throw a nitro version of it. We'd throw some some peppers into it. That's a thing from Colby Chandler out of Ballast Point was, you know, taught me how to do the, mm. the, the you know, spicy IPAs and stuff. Um, so yeah, we we would make, you know, one beer, we'd turn it into three beers. So we, we'd try to get up to 10 or 12 beers on tap, but it was always a stretch just because, you know, you're, you're spiking kegs and doing different stuff. Um, you know, opening up in Salinas really allowed us to round out our tap list and, and just have a lot of fun and, and you know, controlling more fermentations and uh, working on our – trying to do our best to make our quality improve. You know, every day we're still doing it, putting a lot of resources into that. So did you launch from day one with the uh
0: your expressive approach to IPAs? no that that's only been you, that's yeah. been
1: in the last I think about about a year and a half ago we made a beer um made a beer with our you know, our first beer that we used with with Vermont ale yeast and that beer was uh contains no juice and then that beer was was a really popular beer for us and so we kept kind of building off of that and and doing more fermentations with with Vermont with a yeast called sac setois um and now we you know, we like to blend the two, which is really nice. Um, you know, there's just a whole world of yeast out there. And sure, sure. So many options. And, and, you know, we basically treat our production brewery like a giant pilot system, <laughs> essentially. <Okay. laughs> what you just said there about, uh, like, blending
0: or co-pitching uh, two different yeast strains, uh, Sactois and uh, Vermont Ale, uh, is an interesting one because you're the first brewer that I've talked to that brews Hazy IPA. Uh, or it should maybe ex- no, I, I don't. Care. No, it's I think. fine. <laughs> I, it's, it's all good. Whatever people yeah. want to call it, it's sure, all sure. good. That uh, you know that that's using two yeast strains at the same time to to accomplish uh, you, know, you know that fermentation. Uh, how did you how did you you know play around? How did you come to that idea? And uh, what do you what do you think it actually adds to the beer in terms of you know perceptive and sensory uh, impacts?
1: Well, credit where credit's due. I mean, uh, Im- Imperial Labs out of Portland, uh, they actually offer that as a blend. And so we tried it from them just because we had worked with Sactois, We had worked with Vermont independently. And so we're like, hey, let's, let's have these guys blend it together and try it in our pub, see what happens. And we liked it so much. We, we took it, I think, four or five generations. And when you're dealing with two highly different yeast strains that work at different temperatures and flock at different rates... Um, you know, it's, it can be a little inconsistent batch to batch. So since we had Vermont and Sactua on hand, we just started kind of blending it on our own, um, which is, which has worked out well, but you know, it's also great to, you know, that, that these labs are are really progressive and pushing it as well. So Omega has been making, uh, we, we get our yeast from them. Sactua, it's, I think it's under the tropical IPA moniker. Um, fantastic strain. We really like that a lot. Um kind of getting sidetracked here but but yeah it can be a really difficult because if anyone has worked with sactua or vermont most brewers will tell you it's a pain in the ass to work with especially when you're used to using cal ale all the time but um you know learning to harvest in different techniques um you know we're still learning it's a learning process we're you know that's why brewing's great we're never done learning
0: what, is, what are some of the things you learn from uh you know, and and where are some of the tweaks that you found to kind of to optimize the the performance of that? And when I say that, I mean to to get what you're looking for, and, yeah. and You know, in flavor, uh, you know, profile out of that yeast.
1: Well, not, not to get too technical, but you know, I think you can get technical. Pull, well, <laughs> pulling from different parts of the cone, right, right. Uh, you know, maybe maybe rousing the cone a little bit, um, you know, after kind of discarding the unwanted yeast. Uh, you know, we, we'll pull from different parts of the cone, we'll blend the racking arm with, with the cone. We've, we've tried a bunch of different options sure. w- with the blend. Um, you know, we find it doesn't really, you know, it tends to turn almost straight Vermont after four or five generations, which mm-hmm. is fine. So Vermont's a wonderful, wonderful strain. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, cell counts, you know, we really try and make sure we got enough cells and solution uh... to to really make sure we have a clean fermentation and you know there's with the sack toile there can be some funky things going on so temperature control is huge with that strain uh... one thing i really like about it i think after you know we'll can it or we'll keg it and, it and it conditions cold for a week or two i really think you get a lot of those bio transformations going on it's it's just like a totally different beer than when you taste it off the fermenter it just gets Crazy fruity, it just gets like on steroids. Hmm. But at the same time, you know, it, it it can drop off. You know, after you know six weeks or so. So, I, you know, and that, there's no hard number on it. But we, every can that we do, we we store them cold and we pop it open after you know one month, two months, three months, and um, yeah, like I said, still learning. have fun you, uh, with it. Do you take notes on your on your own uh, flavor descriptors? You know, of those yeah, cans do. over we, time. Yeah, how, how we, does
0: that? What does that arc of uh, of the lifespan of that beer look like?
1: Well, I think it's, I think it kind of peaks, you know, one or two weeks in. Uh, and then I think it stays great for, you know, up to six weeks, I would say. I mean, we've had cans that we've popped open that were like, oh, these are going to be gross and <laughs> like low fills, you know, ones right, that we don't right. release. And, you know, there's surprisingly a lot of character to it. Um, you know, oxidation is always, always a concern, but, you know, we're spending a lot of resources and time on trying to dial in our do's on our can line and in you know, our kegging our entire process and i think you know that will extend the the lifespan but i mean these are beers that are designed to be consumed fresh yeah and we push yeah. that um fresh ish you know right. one, like i said you know one or two weeks or something magical happens in some in some of these beers um but yeah. So for,
0: you know, with a lot of these beers on that hazy, expressive side of things, mm-hmm. um, with the Is extreme- the whole
1: interview going to be about hazy, well, hazy no, beer? beers. we can talk, <laughs> we'll talk just, about the wild and, uh, I'm just uh, kidding. You know, stuff uh, I'm just kidding.
0: But hey, I, you know, it's, it's so hot right now. I mean, we, we can't it not talk about it. It is hot. It. Well, credit where
1: credit's due. I mean, a lot of these East Coast breweries, I mean, Sean Hill and, you know, the guys at Trillium and Treehouse, the other half, I mean, they, they those are the, well, the alchemists. I mean, Hedy Topper. I was in Vermont uh, about... Uh, five years ago and just buying cases over-the-counter and it was just like the, Oh my gosh. I remember taking my first sip of Hetty Topper um, Unbelievable, but back then I didn't really know what was going on with you know how the yeast played a right role in that beer and You know I I don't know so it's a, it's a fun time right now for sure It absolutely is across the
0: entire industry and all of the sectors because we have brewers that aren't afraid to take risks to try some new things and to, you know, to push every envelope that is out there to be pushed. Um, you know, it's a great time to be a beer drinker. But, you know, with a lot of these hazy IPAs, you know, you're doing a heavy dry hop regimen, I assume. Um, pounds and pounds of hops in your dry hop, you know, typically. Yeah, I mean, not me more I'm than, wrong. yeah not
1: not more than, uh, I mean, we, we, we average from two to four pounds per barrel. Okay. Um, we don't usually push it more than that. Um you know, surprising. You know, it really all depends on the oil content of the hops, and mm. you know, the the variety, and you know, what lot you have of a certain variety. That makes a big impact. Um, I think that's something that's you know becoming more and more key to yeah. to consistency and and uh, you know making sure that the, that aroma pops. You know, that that's the goal. We really brew for for aroma, and mm-hmm. you know, yeast is a big driver of aroma. Um, but you know, at the same time, a clean fermentation—you know—the hop aroma shine. I mean, it's it's an amazing thing too. Equally as amazing. How so. are you treating those hops? I
0: mean, I imagine you're not at the scale yet where uh, you know you get to do a lot of selection.
1: I, we are going to do selection for the first time this year, okay. um, which is nice. We don't have a huge contract, but I think we're we're kind of combining with some other brewers to, mm. to do that this fall, which is going to be a lot of fun. We were able to do pellet selection this crop year, mm-hmm. which is great. Um, you know, might even be more useful than, you know, selecting cuts from from different lots just because you know they've already been pelletized and processed right. at that right. at that moment. So you know what you're going to get. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we did that for a couple varieties. Um, yeah, really, we only have three varieties on contract for the most part: uh, Simcoe, Mosaic, Citra. Um, and then you know we we pull a lot of different other varieties that we blend in with 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 different beers and um you know try and get our hands on as much of the galaxy nelson we can but those are pretty tough to get i imagine um but yeah there's a lot of great new hops out there I really like azaka love el dorado um you know we love some of the steiner stuff too it's been great uh to kind of elevate uh just kind of the pungency so to speak um how do you come up with your blends are these you know, mental pictures or you just do a lot of... I think it's, you know, it starts, it's a backwards process. So okay. we're, just, we're like, okay, let's envision this beer. What does it look like? What does it smell like? What does it taste like? What's the body? What's the, you know, what what kind of aroma are we going for? And it's kind of funny, like over the years, it's just, it's gone from, you know, pine and citrus and now it's just tropical, tropical, just boom, all day. Right. Um, so kind of exploring... Different realms of, of, for lack of a better word, tropical is kind of, you know, we definitely like like that a lot, and I think a lot of people drink our beer, kind of dig that hop aroma. But there's a lot of different ways you can get from point A to point B, and uh, with the blend, you know, it really just comes down to smelling it. Uh, We've we've blended um, a pre dry hopped, you know, beer that's in the tank. We'll throw some pellets into some crawlers and, and simulate a dry hop, mm. different blends, and then throw those in the cooler, crash them, and then evaluate them. Uh, we've also done it in water, um, you know, through like a cold pressed coffee filter. Yeah. We've done that too. Um, most of the time, it's what smells good. I mean, we have a pretty good command on, on how we feel our hops are, are smelling, uh, you know, right now. So it's really, we can, we just, it just starts with what we want to see this beer be and And then kind of work backwards from there. Um, imagine consistency is less of a
0: concern for you than uh, you know excitement. I know that's a challenge that a lot of brewers uh, face if you're pushing out core brands where uh, you know they want that hop profile to be exactly the same and can after can, you know batch after batch um, for somebody that's that's small and uh, is you know continuously trying to pull out new and exciting beers uh, that that are not consistent that are uh you know, ex- you know something yeah something more different. like
1: more experimental stuff right i mean yeah it's but consistency is something that we really strive for because mm. yeah we do do a lot of new experimental uh releases that are one-offs but usually every one-off we'll do we'll bring it back and we'll do it again yeah. and we really and depending on how we like the first round we're always tweaking beer Um, there's no beer that we put out. That's not slightly tweaked to try and make it better. But I mean, we have a couple core beers like our Pilsner. That's the beer we probably pour the most blood and sweat into. Mm. And it's pretty consistent right now. I'm very happy with it, but we're going to just keep, keep driving it and try and make it better. Um, you know some of our west coast ipas we brew those almost on a quarterly basis and we like where they're at and we want to keep it consistent so we're dialing in water we're dialing in cell counts we're dialing in you know just all right which lot of citra did this get you know yeah exactly so we're we're we really really try and focus on the consistency of beers that we we put out but yeah i mean um i guess yeah i mean like with the one-offs yeah you don't have to worry about it but if you want to make it again and you want to make it right you got to really take meticulous notes and make sure you know we come back and 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 try and recreate it absolutely now you also do you know sour beer on both the
0: wild even spontaneous side as well as kettle sour Mm -hmm. um what drove you into into that sector
1: well kettle sour is great i i love kettle sour just because it's uh you know it has a bad rap but know there's a way you can create clean lactic acidity and and a nice clean fermentation and then just layer on the fruit and uh it's just really refreshing and I think people dig that and it's it's for us it's it's just a fun way to make beer that you can throw in a can and just has a lot of fruit expression but not a lot of complexity there's no you know there's a time where you want you know something that's you know barrel age that's that's a beer that's been aging in oak that has all this complexity that's something we take very seriously and that's we just decided to create a whole separate brand for that essentially and that's yeast of eden which is our, our wild and sour project uh but the kettle sour side is, is alvarado street and uh you know kind of like our hoppy beers we like to have a really you know kind of bold aroma and, and, and flavor so we're trying to capture that with the fruit and kettle sour is really just the vessel for that <laughs> Someone just dropped a keg. Oh, my goodness. So
0: um, on that, what, is, what does your kettle sour method look like? You know, you mentioned there are techniques you use to uh, to get that clean lactic fermentation. Yeah.
1: No, we, we, we were doing yogurt for a long time. Um, went to an incredibly invaluable CBC seminar uh, in Portland uh, a couple years ago where uh, the guys from uh, Breakside, Gigantic, uh, and the Commons all just kind of laid out how they – how they do their method and took away some very useful lessons from that. Um, and that kind of drove our method. Although today it's completely different, but <laughs> <laughs> we we did yogurt for a long time, which is yeah. wonderful. Um, the, the guys at Knob Hill Foods hated me. I'd come in and buy all their, but now I, now I steal all their good belly. So we, we uh, actually use good belly now, oh, which is okay. fantastic. It's lacto plantarum, right? Super clean, acidifies in 24 hours. Mm. Uh, really easy to work with. Um, I would like to start kind of maintaining our own sort of culture though. So we're going to look into doing that pretty soon as we, as we make more of those beers. Are you, are you souring in the kettle then? No. So we, we we were, we were souring in our kettle and our uh, whirlpool. We were doing 40 barrel batches, 20 in each. Um, but now we, we have a uh, bright tank that we don't really use anymore. Um, so that's our kettle sour vessel now. Nice. Uh, so we basically run 60 barrels into that, inoculate it. 24 hours later, it comes in. If it smells clean, if it smells like lemon-lime Gatorade, we're, we're good to go. Let's <laughs> throw it into the kettle and yeah. uh, knock it out in the fermenter and pitch a whole bunch of yeast. And mm. Yeah, it's just like a regular beer at that point. Yeah. But, yeah, not a lot going on. I mean, it's just, you know, lactic acidity and clean fermentation profile, lots of fruit nice zippy carb on it and throw in a can and that's that real simple can, beer it's
0: crushable and there's uh exactly yeah. Yeah, no yeah.
1: confusion with your your
0: wood stuff which i yeah. imagine is priced a little differently and uh it is well there's
1: a lot more going on in there a lot more process going on with, with those beers a lot yeah. more more intricacies and stuff but um yeah we call it kettle sour ale um we use oats kind of instead of wheat for body mm. um you know we're not in berlin so i'm calling it a berlin stu- berliner yeah Berliner Weiss. There's no wheat in it, um, but love Berliner Weiss. It's one of my favorite styles. Love Goza. We do we do a Goza as yeah. well. We call it a Goza style uh, ale. But uh, yeah, kettle sours. Uh, I
0: appreciate that Goza style. Goza style.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Trying to be as. Uh you know correct as we can
0: as an editor who has to make that change on a lot of things <laughs> over and over again yeah, yeah i appreciate that well that's the trouble
1: with all the one-offs is all the yeah. uh, the education becomes tricky so we're writing yeah. all these new beer reviews or beer t- tasting descriptions and we try and uh, update our staff every week we do a email with literally all the tasting notes and the malt the yeast the hops everything just so all the information's laid out but it can be it can be tiring when you're, when you're doing a ton of new beers and stuff i imagine yeah. really fun though really fun <laughs> <laughs> so you've even done uh,
0: spontaneous fermentation, no yeast pitching out here, even though it uh, doesn't, yeah. doesn't get that cold out here on the California in the winter, coast. In the winter, in the
1: winter out here. We're in Salinas. Yeah. We're, we're about six miles inland from the coast. Uh, it'll get you know down to the 30s at oh, night. Okay. So uh, we've used uh, some macro bins, which are basically big kind of plastic totes that uh, a lot of the vintners will harvest uh, grapes into. Mm-hmm. We use it for our, for gra- graining out. Um but uh, we have a couple macro bins dedicated to some spontaneous fermentation. That that idea came from uh, from Bob Coons at Highland Park. These mm. they uh, some macro bin fermentation. That yeah. guy's that guy's the man. They're making some unbelievable beer. Um, but yeah, no, just uh, having fun. So yeah, that that all is going to be. How's taste? What's your local terroir? Uh, uh, in it's, it's, weird. Like. it's weird. It's weird. Super weird right now. But it's a year in and. You know a lot of these beers take a long time you know this is going to be a, a three-year project and mm. you know we're our uh head brewer and blender for yeast of eden andrew rose he's he's on it he he's just incredible at at, at, uh, at what he's doing and really excited for the stuff that's that's going to come out later this this fall and winter on that side of things. It has been a nice trend to watch that uh, the spontaneous
0: beers American brewers are making. Um, over, well, I think over yeah, the yeah, last... I think Jester King with the Method oh, yeah.
1: Goose, spelling that out, we were really inspired by that. And that's what, that's what started this spontaneous thing, you know, doing a 18 it was an 18-hour brew day. It was turbid mash Oof. and it was a pain in the ass, but <laughs> totally worth it yeah, yeah. I, I mean i hope we I, we'll hope see. it's worth it we'll see <laughs> regardless it's it's gonna be
0: uh we'll, we'll find out hopefully it's not a huge waste of time and effort but uh you know yeah, the, how you the learn. good
1: things in life you know you gotta learn and and i don't know it's fun to just go for it so you mentioned a little while back
0: that uh one of your favorite beers uh is your pilsner and uh and that's another thing we've watched uh brewers making hazy ipas sour beer wild beers um who have a, a strange crazy attraction to pilsner um what is it about Pilsner that uh you know that that draws hip brewers like you all?
1: well, I don't know I think it's just the uh I just love the hop character I love the noble hop character um I actually had a it was Sam Adams used to make a noble pills uh years ago that was I thought was fantastic it just and and victory prima pills was was one of the earlier ones and then you know. Pivo came out and you go drink that at the brewery and it was just like a religious experience it was insane and then obviously have an STS and I don't you know I don't, I think for me it's the hop character I love the hop character so that beer surprisingly our pilsner is the hoppiest beer we make hmm. on the hot side interesting we use a hop back and just load it up with whole, huh. whole cone uh, noble flowers um, and then uh, no, no dry hop on it but it's a really hoppy beer hmm. surprisingly something with the yeast and, and the noble character just it's just totally different from American hops, and it's just really refreshing, yet it's so hoppy, but it's not, it doesn't wear your palate down like, you know, American hops would after, you know, it's just a great session session beer, and oh, it's wonderful.
0: Yeah, no, it's uh, it's an interesting trend to watch, and, um, you know, even even the beer fans, the, the beer nerd traders out there, I'm seeing more... Uh, more pills, more man. Pil- more pilsners getting shifted around this country. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that'd be
1: great. We're, we love brewing brewing lagers and and uh lager yeast is a fantastic strain to use for hoppy beer fantastic
0: we we love it tell me about the first time you saw your cans showing up in pictures on the other side of the country i mean that is one of the interesting and uh, somewhat you know unique experiences of brewing the styles of beer that you do like uh you know the the beer fans out there they get it out to places that you could never distribute it to um but that has to has to be a mind trip to yeah
1: it definitely is it's you know super super humbling uh a little scary too seeing some beers that are like a couple months old on them like oh god (laughs) like that was canned like four months ago uh no but it's it's super humbling i mean we're just i don't know we're we're really blessed to that people want to drink you know our beer i'm we we make we're selfish you know we make beer that we want to drink and i'm just stoked people are into it um it's a lot of fun. The whole process, seeing it all come together, having a lot of fun with the artwork too, is, is for for me. That's that's a lot of fun. Uh, that's almost as fun as making the beer. Now it's just like really having it all just come together is is just a, a trippy thing. What,
0: what's your artwork process? Do you work with local local folks or uh... we
1: have a fantastic designer we've been working with for a couple of years now. They're Blind Tiger Design out of mm, Seattle. Right. Um, so I'll have like a really stupid wacky idea and (laughs) they'll be like yeah that's ridiculous and but just come back with this amazing uh artwork and um yeah it's it's evolving too i mean we have you know we had different influences in the you know about a year and a half ago when we started canning and now it's like totally a different influence now we're going in in a whole new direction and and i'm excited to see what the what the
0: future brings it's interesting uh, as we're talking about this that uh you know in years past, you might talk about things changing in the beer world in you know, four or five year spans, two or three year spans, and now we're talking about rapid changes within the span of you know, 18 months, and that time frame seems to be compacting you know, smaller and smaller. Um, how do you, in running you know, two breweries, a, a brew pub and a production brewery... Run a restaurant, you, a, big, a restaurant, too. Resta- no. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it's a big, big restaurant.
1: Yeah. It's a lot of work. No. How do we have you, a great I, staff. How do you plan...
0: Team you know how do you make decisions for the future um you know and and by that same token i mean imagine there has to be a fair amount of risk involved in making a large-scale investment to build a production brewery like this when uh you know the the tides are are turning pretty fast out there um they
1: are it's scary uh you know and and that's the thing you know we don't we don't want to just pivot to for you know to to be the you know the, the next you know trendy thing or brew the next trendy style, um, you know we brew the, the more yeast expressive yeast, you know IPAs and hoppy beer because we we like to drink it and we like you know playing with seeing what's possible, um, but we're not going to stop brewing lager beer and West Coast hoppy beer. We love that. That's a part of us. Um, so I think, you know. As long as we're true to ourselves and we're, we're brewing what we like to drink and we're trying to educate um, as much as we can about what's going on with these beers, uh, I think we'll be fine. I'm not I'm not too worried about it you know I, I think we definitely want to brew what people like to drink but at the same time you know you, you really need to we want to let our, our passion show through in our product and it's working out so far, and I, I don't think we're really going to change uh, kind of what we're what we're doing, and you know, just to just to do what everyone what everyone else is doing. But uh, so the haze
0: thing isn't just a
1: fad. I think it's going to stick around for a while. I think it will. I mean, I think it's. I mean, it's just so different, um, but at the same time, it's not it's not the most sessionable. <laughs> I mean, I can right. only have like you know one of them, and, and then my palate's just wrecked. Uh, So, you know, brewing beers for for sessionability and for its refreshing character and, you know, just seasonally, you know, whatever lifestyle is, you know, is going on. It's it's. uh, Yeah, I mean, we're just we're just having fun. We're just going to keep doing Mm -hmm. our thing. I like to, uh, you know, describe this
0: point in beer history, uh, you know, in, in agricultural terms as well as in brewing creativity terms. Um, and I think those things go hand in hand. We're wondering, like, why why are these things, you know, big and popular now? Part of the reason is that we have the agricultural product, new hops varieties, flavorful hops varieties that now exist, that five years ago didn't exist in these kinds of quantities or didn't exist at all. You well, know, you can make good,
1: hazy beer with, uh, you know, more traditional sure. Northwest hops. I mean, yeah. we, we blend a lot of sea hops into, into some of those beers yeah. on, on occasion. Yeah, absolutely. i'd say it's more yeast derived than anything Hmm. i mean i'm sounding like a broken record at this point but uh yeah i mean it's a great it's a great style i think it's cool i think people are having a lot of fun with it i mean you know fresh freshness and and stewardship is more important than ever with that style so you know needs to be cold needs to be drank within a reasonable amount of time and you know i think the beer trading culture is rad it's you know it's all over the place um you know people were like you know we're super humbled to see our beer you know on the east coast or you know abroad um you know just throw an ice pack in the box that's all we ask <laughs> <laughs>
0: and so you guys have, have grown this brewery
1: all through
0: self-distribution you don't have you don't work with any outside distributors um how much of that beer that you're selling is sold straight through your own tap rooms versus out there through your own distribution you know uh, reach to, to outside accounts?
1: Well, we're really fortunate to work with some amazing accounts uh, in the Bay Area, uh, Santa Cruz. Um, I'd say we still sell a lot of beer between our tasting room here uh, in Salinas and our brew pub in Monterey. Uh, but we do sell a lot of beer You know, that gets out on the truck. I'd say it's you it know, might be about half and half, maybe, um, at this point. Yeah. But, um, you know, we could definitely sell probably more cans uh, at our... Tasting rooms, but you know we we have a really great partnership with a lot of the places that have been kind enough to carry our beer and and promote it and and you know give us a a place in, in a really awesome beer culture in the Bay Area. So we're we're gonna definitely honor our partnerships because these guys are all our good buddies. Yeah. So um, it you know that's the nice thing about self distribution is you can. You know, establish a nice working relationship with a lot of these places. I mean, you can with without with sure. distribution too. But um, you know, we know where our beer is and make sure it's being cared for. You know, it's in the right hands. That's that's a really big part of it, and making sure it's cold and tapped quick. Yeah.
0: And, uh, yeah. How um, you know the relationship side of the the craft beer industry is is one of the most unique parts of of uh, you know business. And, you know, I hear it over and over again from folks that are coming out of other, you know, businesses and taking a look at craft beer. Uh, There's really not much like this community anywhere else in any other sector of of any, you know, kind of product-based business. Yeah, it's incredible. You know, but that that focus on relationship, that working together and, and, uh, you know, solving problems together, helping each other out, you know, is just one of those, you know, defining hallmarks of craft beer. Um, You know, is that one of the things that draw, drew you into this and uh... i mean we
1: wouldn't be here without that i mean everything we do all our sops and everything is just a combination of stuff learned on on the journey from from innovators it, you know i mean seriously we 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 literally get help from everyone yeah and we try and give as much help as we can back because um, that's it, the industry's been so good to us and we definitely wouldn't be where we're at without the support of you know our peers in the industry so it's it's incredible like you said there's literally no industry like it um you know it's definitely we'll see how things go you know more and more breweries opening every day it's it's incredible for the consumer and it's just an incredible time to be in craft beer and you know, you'd think with all this new competition, it you know, it wouldn't be so open book, but it's, I feel like it's never been more open book. Yeah. So for us, it's, you know, we thrive off of brewing beer with our friends and, you know, learning from each other. It's, it's so cool. And there's no, no industry like it. It's, yeah, it's unbelievable.
0: Have you hit up on any competitive issues that have, uh, you know, because that is the other uh, thing we're hearing, you know, some of lately that, uh, um, in certain sectors, some of that's starting to get a little tougher. And, uh, and so maybe, you know, we're, uh,
1: definitely. i i yeah, it. I mean, I've heard, I've heard stuff. I mean, I think, you know, we've, we've stayed clear of that. Um, no, I mean, we, we've just been really fortunate, uh, to be honest with you. I think, um, yeah, everyone, everyone's just helping each other and I hope it stays that way.
0: Yeah. So what's next? What's on your horizon? What are you most excited about?
1: Uh you know just just getting used to we just kind of expanded our brewery a little bit. We have a whole new cellar with some new fermenters and we have our canning line that we've had for about 4 months now. Um so just getting used to that and, and really just kind of just dialing in our our processes, you know, more and more working on our quality, working on our DO, working on just our lab procedures and and just getting good written SOPs in place and you know, trying to, uh, train our staff well. And I mean, having a lot of fun going to a bunch of events. That's, that's been great. The travel schedule has been just a lot of fun. Yeah. It's been hard for me. I have three little kids, so Ah. it's like, it's a little tricky, but, uh, where have you been going? Just, just various, uh, events, you know, the Bay area, Southern California. Um, you know, we're going to go to do some things next year on the East coast, which will be a lot of fun. Um, yeah, we've been really fortunate to make beer with a lot of uh, breweries that you know we really respect and are, are good friends, and um, that's been a really really great way. A lot of a lot of uh, a lot of meiosis there, just a lot of learning from each other and hanging out, and it's it's great. It's a great time.
0: It is one of the great things you can call it work
1: when uh, your buddies come over to the brewery and you brew beer together. Yeah, I have to tell my wife this all the time. I'm like, no, it's work. I have to go yeah, to yeah. this festival and hang out and drink beer. It's right, work. Right.
0: <laughs> so, anything else on the on the long term horizon for Alvarado Street?
1: Um. Yeah. I mean, you know, we're in a really good place right now. Um, we're definitely gonna you know make more beer, but we're gonna be smart about it. We're gonna make sure that you know if we if we add you know new accounts that it's it's a place we would want to see our beer at and. Um, a place that'll take care of it and yeah we're, we're gonna make more beer I, there's no plans for like another I mean we like I said we just finished expanding this new cellar so just kind of falling into it and, and really focusing on our process and focusing on new recipes and maintaining our older ones and making them as, as good as they can be and having fun with the artwork and go to some fun uh, festivals and just enjoy the occupation you know i think that's that's in the immediate future and then what happens after that who knows i mean i think if we were to get much bigger than we are now for me personally it would it might be not as much fun because it might be a little more stress. so i think you know i really like where we're at right now
0: so you launched this business with your dad how uh... Yeah, you know, the the family element clearly is something that's important to you um how's that experience and, and i imagine there are days you want to kill each other and there are days that uh we get uh, along great yeah. actually
1: yeah he, he's an incredible incredible person and um yeah he he really kind of lets me sort of operate the business i could put my sort of creative uh approach to everything you know he, he's he's pretty hands-off but he does help me with a lot of the stuff like so the, the more admin side of things like running the business and helping with accounting and, and, and that kind of stuff and, and you know so the less glorious tasks he, he loves to to handle which is yeah super super convenient allows me to focus on what I'm you know passionate about which is the liquid so yeah so
0: staffing a brewery out here in the Salinas um, where do you where do you pull from do you you take uh, pull you know- from our restaurant okay
1: start as a busboy might be the head brewer someday really No, I'd rather uh, train them
0: yourself than uh, you know. No, that's that's
1: not true. We we've hired brewers before. I I I, you know it's there's not a lot of brewers in our area, so we have had to train uh, you know ourselves and and have a training program set up. Um, But no, we've we've definitely hired hired brewers. Um, It's it's tricky, but you know people who want to work in a brewery are so passionate. Yeah, we were just having this conversation the other day. Our overtime. Is crazy because no <laughs> one wants to stop working, which is like yeah. a great problem to have. But it's right. like, damn, this is <laughs> this payroll is not looking so good for this yeah. uh, this pay period. But um, you know, I mean, I, I'm just really blessed to have a staff that doesn't want to clock out and they want to get the job done and they care so much about the product. I mean, that's so refreshing. And our team is honestly just so solid. I, I, I'm just I- incredibly incredibly blessed to have this this group of people on our on our staff in all areas brewers sales uh you know our my general manager and our assistant manager our restaurant our chef i mean it's just a it's a great time right now we've definitely you know struggled with staffing you know in in the early years and i think now that we're a little more established it's people are just super stoked to work and take great pride in what they do and if i can foster that as much as possible I mean that's that's like the best case scenario sure sure how important was the food component as you got you know got
0: things off the ground I mean a lot of breweries that are opening today are just tap room and uh, they don't want to mess with food but uh, yeah you guys jumped right into it
1: we jumped right into it we were really serious about it. I mean we're still serious about it but we were really trying to get really trying to get creative and fancy with it from the get go and uh, it actually didn't really work out as well as we had hoped we had we really wanted to make it unique. And it turned out the consumer was like, "No, nah, I don't really, I don't really want to go that route. <laughs> <laughs> so we ended up making some changes, but now we have a really nice kind of medium where we have, you know, we, we have some incredible food. Our, our new chef, Brandon Miller, um, the guy's been around for, for decades. He's ran some amazing kitchens uh, in the area and, uh, we're more specials driven now, which okay. is really nice. So, you know, being so close to the ocean, he'll go grab, you know, like a salmon cot that day and we'll, we'll you know, have it on for a special that night huh. or, um, you know, we're out here in Salinas, we're going to set up a, a meat locker. So we're going to have like our own charcuterie program. There's some great dairies around here. Hmm. So, you know, I, I mean, I, we want it to be very local focused. Yeah. Um, that's really important to us with the food and, and have it be sustainable and, um, you know, as much kind of scratch element as possible but you know within reason because it can be very difficult to to run a scratch kitchen and we're not a scratch kitchen but we we definitely try and and source local whenever possible and um take great pride in in the food and everything so and the pairings as well we always have a pairing that we drill down into our staff like all right let's let's push this with this beer for this week and each week it changes so we're, we're trying to uh you know we're trying our best to kind of marry the food with the beer and It's a uh, you know continuous, continuous uh, project, and just gotta keep keep at it. What's one thing you wish somebody told you uh, before you launched the brewery? Oh man, (laughs) so many things. You narrow it down to one. So many things. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, narrow down to one thing. Uh, A handful. (laughs) I should have gotten a bigger (laughs) mash ton Probably that would have been really. That would have been helpful. Yeah. Yeah. We brew. I mean, we weren't brewing as many kind of double IPAs. In the earlier years and now we we brew quite a bit of double ipa now and higher gravity beers uh in our mash tun are just a nightmare so i wish i had uh, gotten a bigger mash tun that's i don't know why that's the one that's sticking out (laughs) but we had to kind of work around that a little bit now we've got our process a little more dialed but yeah you know always trying to make kinks and make it better and more efficient you know trying to work efficient's really really difficult
0: (laughs) what are some of the favorite beers that you make
1: um you know, I love malt a lot. Uh oh, you have to
0: say that. Like any parent, you've got to, yeah. you've got to love Is mean, that like the
1: standard brewer answer now? <laughs> I guess. Maybe. Um, we
0: all know you love some more than the others.
1: Yeah, I mean I'd say I, I like hoppy beer more, but I just I if I'm just gonna have like a, a beer where I just don't have to think about anything and I want like a nice kind of toasty chocolatey malt profile I mean brown ale is like my our go-to I love our brown ale that we make at our brew pub Uh, I love our Vienna lager right now Mm. it's uh, just fantastic it's super dry and toasty biscuity malt character and it's delicious Um, but I love smelling beer so much that you know smelling hops is just the greatest thing ever so and it's so fun to see the difference between a, a clean you know fermentation with Cal ale and then see like something with you know, and another yeast is just to see the difference is crazy. Um, so I, I love, love smelling those beers and drinking them. I just, I can't drink as many of them. Yeah. Uh, you know, and Pilsner obviously is, you know, definitely a go to, um, yeah. I mean, you know, I don't really discriminate. I love drinking just all different kinds of beers. Somebody handed me a PBR, I'd be all over (laughs) it. So sure. Sure. What were uh, some early influential beers for you? So uh, I went to college uh, Upstate New York um, So we had Ithaca Beer company mm-hmm. It was right there Right near where I went to school Cornell And uh, so I I drank a lot This is embarrassing to say I drank a lot of apricot wheat When I was like 18, 19 <laughs> It's delicious beer actually Okay uh, So then We're
0: not advocating underage drinking By any stretch Yeah, yeah Wait, Just what was to, I was saying? I mean 2021 <laughs> 20, 21. What, what am I talking about? <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah In between Milwaukee's best I was, uh, you know yeah. Get, get down on the Ithaca apricot wheat. But, um, yeah. And then I, I graduated to a beer called Cascazilla that they made, which mm. was like, that was the first time that was my first like aha moment where it was like, wow, you can smell beer. This smells like nothing I've ever smelled before. And it was yeah. just an all cascade, like kind of like mm. red ale, happy red ale. And it was just insane. I used to go fill growlers down there. Um, and then obviously, you know, living in San Diego, uh, I was down there for six years you know having some of those you know nelson for the first time is just yeah nelson duet is all the alpine beers were just crazy uh pizza port and um i, I love all of society's beers just unbelievably you know, amazing aroma profile in there and just so clean and crisp and drinkable um yeah I'm sure there's a lot of others, a lot of others. Sure I mean, since all- I've moved to Northern California, I mean, my, my big influence is Sante Adarius, you know, 100% with, with the uh, character that they have in, in, in all their beers, hoppy and on their on their sour sides, incredible. Yeah. And, you know, love of the boys, at cellar maker, doing. they've been really pushing the envelope, just incredibly aromatic and, and flavorful, hoppy beer. And, you know, those guys know their hops. And so I've, I've definitely, you know, learned a lot from them. So, yeah. And Vinny's the man, of course. Of course. Twiney er, early <laughs> on was, you know, unbelievable. And I, it's amazing. I, I, I just, yeah, STS is a great beer, too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, thank you, JC Hill, Alvarado Street Brewery, and uh, Salinas, Salinas. Salinas, I mean, Salinas, Salinas yeah. uh, California. Salinas,
1: California. Thank you for um, having me. I really appreciate it.
0: You're making some uh, exciting, creative beers and doing it in interesting ways. And uh, thanks for talking to us. Thank
1: you. Thank nice. you.